Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. give you first place. We we give you preeminence. And oh, what a beautiful prayer. Put me anywhere you want me. Just fill me with your glory. Mm. Well, I'm going to share a word with you, and uh, in this word, there's going to be a testimony or two. And in and in all of it is going to be glory. And I don't know if I can get through this, but I'm going to try. I won't try too hard, but I'm going to go, we're going to go through and, and I don't, I don't know. Something is happening. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Let me put it in perspective. He he wanted, although it was a little bit naive, but he wanted to build God a house. And... um, He valued God's presence. He valued. Somehow, some way, Holy Spirit was able to open up the eyes of his heart, pre-New Covenant. And David saw something that he could not quantify. And he said, I'm going to, I want to build you a house. And the Lord said to him, no, no. Tell you what I'll do. I'll build you a house. But this, this overwhelming desire was in his heart. So much so. Well, let me just give you some numbers. In modern day terms. David, David, out of the national treasury, amassed, this is in, uh, I did the numbers, I ran the numbers a few days ago, so it can adjust because gold prices go up and down. But David amassed more than 302 billion 
360 million dollars worth of gold alone. Just, just the gold. They didn't even weigh the silver because there was just too much. And I mean, it's kind of a moot point, isn't it? You know, why weigh the silver? You've got 302 billion, 360 million dollars worth of gold. Why bother? Right? Why bother? That was out of the national treasury, but that wasn't enough for him. Out of his own pocket, he gave nine billion seventy million eight hundred thousand dollars worth of his own gold. Out of his, let's let that sink in just a moment. Out of his own checking account, he wrote a check for nine billion seventy million some odd dollars worth of gold. Gold of Ophir, meaning that's the really good stuff. I think it's safe to say, and I think it's right to say, that he valued God's presence. I think it's right, and I think it's good to say that he was willing to do whatever it took to invite the presence of God to come and live in their nation and run things. I mean, he was taking his entire government, his entire kingdom that he was given by God, and he was submitting that under the rulership of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, God. Where in the world did we go wrong? How did we miss it? I'll tell you. Solomon, his son, after the temple was built, Solomon, his son, had an income of one billion eight hundred something thousand million. Eight hundred million. I've got it somewhere. I've got it written down. I'm going somewhere with this, so just stay with me. Yeah. One million eight hundred thirty one billion eight hundred thirty-four million six hundred forty-eight thousand five hundred and thirty-four dollars and ninety-eight cents worth of gold came into Solomon's treasury per year. And he reigned for forty years. So that's over seventy-three billion dollars in gold. Gold alone. It's not counting silver. It's not counting rubies and sapphires and diamonds and opals and all the other precious jewels and all the other incredible natural resources that came in. Just the gold we're counting tonight. And so from David... 
it stepped down to Solomon. And Solomon valued the presence of God less than his father David. Married a thousand wives. How in the world could a man do that? A thousand. I'll tell you how he did it. He made one compromise. And he didn't know that there was 999 more right behind it. He just opened one door. And he built temples to all of their gods. And then you've got David's grandson by the name of Rehoboam. And I'll read you the story of Rehoboam real quickly. And Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. And Rehoboam was 41 years old. This is in 1 Kings 14, 21 through 28. He reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. He was 41 when he became king. He reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His mother's name was Naamah, an Ammonitess. Now Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they committed more than all their fathers had done. For they also built to themselves high places, sacred pillars, wooden images on every high hill, under every green tree. And there were also perverted persons in the land, and they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem, and he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took Away everything. And he also took away all the gold shields which Solomon had made, and also the 200 giant shields that David captured, gold. Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place. And committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. And whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guards carried them and brought them back into the guard room. They went from gold to bronze. And of course, you know the difference. Gold, you, you make it and you fine tune it and it stays. You don't have to touch it again. You don't have to polish it. You don't have to do anything to it because it's, it's, it's quality of the highest sort from the inside out. It's been purified. But bronze, if you polish it hard enough, long enough, and put enough elbow grease to it, 
and work as hard as you possibly can and really, 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 really polish it. From a distance, when the sun hits it, you almost think it's gold. But it's not. It's bronze. And it has little to no value in comparison. I mean, if they didn't even weigh the silver to count it, they're certainly not going to weigh the bronze. Right? One's a fine metal. The other is a common metal. It's the picture of stepping away from the presence of God and adopting religion. And with religion, you've got to polish that stuff. And, and it is so hard to polish it and to get the oxidation that, that, that happens, the chemical oxidation off of it. You've got to work so hard and you're constantly fighting and you're constantly warring and you're constantly putting your elbow in it and it, you constantly, 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 constantly have to work at it. And the harder you work, maybe you can get some shine for a little while. Maybe. But it's still not gold. Work as hard as you want to. How many years have we settled as the church at large for bronze shields that looked good when you polished them hard enough? But we always knew they weren't gold. Those, those captains and those guards, they knew because they were the guys that had to polish those things. The king walked in deception because they were shiny enough on the day that he went into the house of the Lord to worship a God that he didn't even love. And my father saw that. And my father said in his heart, I'm not going to leave my new covenant to chance. I'm going to provide the gold. I'm not going to leave it up to them to work at this. I'm going to provide the grace. And I'm not going to leave it up to them to work for something that they can never attain. I'm going to give them an inheritance out of my treasury. Yeah. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. He goes on to say, In Him, in Him, also, this is bonus, we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him. That What that means, honey, is that, that God thought this up and he thought it through before he ever created Adam. This is plan A. This isn't plan B. God had this baby, it was, it was there waiting, and he was going to show us all through the written word what did not work. Because he's going to unveil his grace, and he's going to unveil his mercies, and he's going to unveil his, his inheritance that he has for you and me. being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. That, here we go, that. This is going to tell you why. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. And when it says that we should be, that means that's a state of being That comes from heaven. My identity is not what I do. My identity is who my Father is. And in Him, He provided everything. Not only for this world, this present world that we're living in, but for all eternity, everything is already provided. It's not given to chance. It's not going to be changed. The inheritance, you cannot be, I don't know, this is going to jerk some people's strings, but you cannot be written out of the will. If you're a child, if you're, look, look, the blood of Jesus, let me, let me, let me throw this to you. You catch it, you catch it if you want to, and if it's too hot to handle, just Set it down and pick it up later. <laughs> the blood of Jesus not only cleanses me from my sin, the blood of Jesus gives to me the life of the Father as well. It's the life of the Father that's passed down through the blood. And so not only am I cleansed, not only am I forgiven. But there's grace in the blood of the Lamb of God that, that, that lifes me. I'm birthed by the blood. I'm conceived in the blood. I'm birthed by the blood. I'm lifed by the blood. The nature of my Father is in the blood. I've got His DNA inside of me. You've got His DNA inside of you. If you're washed in the blood, I'm telling you, not only washed in the blood, you're conceived and you're birthed in the blood. So you're carrying the life of God. Yeah, come on. And it's that 
which enables me and empowers me to be to the praise of His glory. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John on the mountain of transfiguration, not only did He show them who He was, He was showing them who they would be. That went right over your head. When Jesus took them on the mountain of transfiguration and he was altered, one, one, one guy says, his face was altered. Another one said, his face was shining like the sun. God dwells in light that no man can approach to. That's what Paul says to Timothy. He was not only showing them who he, he was, who he is, he not only pulled back the veil to reveal Jesus. Not only, not only was the Father clarifying to the three disciples, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. God was saying, these are my sons. This is what you're going to look like. We're veiled in flesh. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not only is he the hope of glory for you, he's the hope of glory for everybody that you meet. You're carrying more than what you think that you're carrying. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart, the old hymn says. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Wherever that is. He's got the whole house. I was in the room upstairs where they pointed me earlier, alone. But I wasn't alone. And Holy Spirit spoke to me something. I, I, I never really considered it before. He has a tendency to do that. Well, I'll, I'll just read it to you. Verse 13 of Ephesians 1. It says, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. So preaching is important. Testimonies are important. Your witness is important. The gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance. <laughs> now, now, modern day terms. 
the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the Godhead is God's down payment to you that saying that his promises and his inheritance is true and it's real and it's guaranteed. Now I'm thinking, Holy Spirit is the down payment. What is the full payment? We, we've hardly enjoyed the down payment. We're just, we're just beginning to be acquainted with the value of the down payment. Now, now, forgive me, but I dig a little bit. And so I went digging, and I didn't have to dig too far. Because this Greek word comes from a Hebrew word, and the Hebrew word means the mortgage payment that gives the right to occupy. That went right over your head. So Holy Spirit is the down payment for the Trinity to take occupation of the house and to dwell in the house. Now we go over there to John 17 and we start looking at the high priestly prayer of John, of, of Jesus in the book of John. And, and it's not our uh, high priestly. The Lord's prayer is our Father who art in heaven. That's not the Lord's prayer. That's what man called the Lord's prayer. But Jesus called his own prayer, John chapter 17. You go read his prayer. And he's going to rock your world. Because he says, Father, did you, oh, let me just stop right there. Did you know that when he said Father, he changed all of eternity? The moment that the word Father came out of the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything changed. Every paradigm changed. Everything changed. It's completely, totally different from the moment that we realize that he is Father. My friend Andy Taylor said, if God wanted, wanted anything other than a family, he would have called himself something other than Father. And so the very name, Father, indicates in neon letters about 100 feet tall that he has designed family. And we are the extension of the family that already existed before the world was created. God doesn't just have a family. God is a family. He is. Well, I was blessed whenever I saw that it gave him the right to occupy the house. I thought, oh, well, I guess so. Come on in. Come on in. Now, 
I'm convinced that we're living too far below what has been purchased for us to live in. Point in case. Testimony. It's not a flattering testimony, but in the end it is. It's glorious testimony. You'll forgive me if I'm really, 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 really transparent with you? Is that okay? You can, you can handle transparency? Because I can be painfully transparent. And often am. About a month ago, and you've already taken up the offering, so this is not manipulation. This is not a manipulation story to get a bigger offering. Because I, I don't do that. I hate that, in fact. But I'm just going to give you my story, my testimony, my wife and I. About a month ago, we, we had a monthly donor that really has blessed us for years and years and years, and a large amount per month that basically was our, well, they wasn't basically, it was our primary donor in our ministry that, that I received, my wife and I received our salary for many, many, many years. And about a month ago, the check, when deposited, bounced. So I thought, well, maybe this, maybe that, maybe I'll check here, maybe check there, check with the bank. Yep, NSF. Don't you just love those letters? NSF. Non-sufficient funds. So I called the donor, and they checked their account that was blessing us all these years, and they said, yep, that's right. There is no more, and there will never be any more after this. And I'm sitting there with a check that bounced that was uh, $4,100. And this thing hit me like a ton of bricks. Something happens to you when you get above the age of retirement. If it's before the age of retirement, you know, I've got the strength. I'll just go out and get a job. I can do whatever, right? But if you're above the age of retirement in this society, in these days, basically as a rule of thumb, not every time, but basically as a rule of thumb, you're unemployable anymore. In fact, you're marginalized. You're pushed out. And at my age, which is above the age of retirement, here we are. We're pushed out. And I would love to report to you that I got up in the morning and I was God's man of faith and power for the present hour. But I panicked. And my heart was broken. Why didn't, they, why didn't they monitor this thing to let us know in advance that this was going to happen and get, at least give us a month's head up? You know, you get $4,100 knocked out of your paycheck for a month. That's a chunk. And for some of us, it was all the chunk. And so, what did I do? I panicked. And fear came in like a giant wave. Not only was there every demon in our county, but demons came from other counties just to see what the other demons were doing. <laughs> this is going to be fun, they must have said. And the torment began. 
And out of three days, I got four hours of sleep. And on that third day, I was supposed to drive with my wife to Nebraska to start a series of services. Hallelujah. And I'd hit a brick wall. And I was struggling. And I cried out to the Lord, but I was struggling. And I felt rejection, and I felt all the other things that go with it, every emotion that goes with that kind of an experience. And you feel it all. It hits you. It runs over you, and then if you don't get up quick enough, it backs over you, and then it runs over you, and then they hit it reverse and back over you, and it's just, I mean, you know, you feel like roadkill after about 20 minutes. And, and here it's going on for three, four days. And I panicked, and, it, and, and I was crying out to God, and nothing was happening. I mean, it was like nothing. And so on the Sunday that we were supposed to drive up to Nebraska, my wife looked at me, and we had stayed the night with some friends over north of Dallas, Texas, and, and she said, uh, we're not going to go today. She's a woman that has great wisdom, and she didn't want me driving and falling asleep and her dying. So she had ulterior motives. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to your dad's house over in Euless, Texas, and let's just rest for this Sunday. And she didn't get any argument from me. I was tired. I said, okay. So we go to the house of my father, and my son lives in that house. And uh, my son was there. And, of course, they're not having Sunday morning services up in that area either at this point in time. Some churches do, but that, the church where he works, a wonderful church in South Lake, Texas, and um, um, just a precious uh, ministry up there. And my son is the, is the video director, and he does such a beautiful job. He's really good at what he does. He's been up for nominations and awards and all kinds of things for his work. He's, he's very good at what he does. And so, but he's not at home because they'd already shot the video for the week and it's playing on Sunday, but he's at home and his girlfriend was there and uh, we, we came in and um, my son began to, he gave me a big hug and, and a kiss on the cheek and then he, as we sat down, he began preaching all of my sermons to me <laughs> that he had heard me preach through the years. Can I just tell you how wonderful it is to have a son minister to a father? And he preached the sermons. Dad, remember, remember when we were in this problem and God came through? Dad, remember when, when, when that happened up there? Dad, remember this one? Dad, remember that one? And he just bang, 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 bang. Systematically, the Holy Spirit just anointed him and he blessed me and he ministered to me. And, and I was so tired. And, and he said... He said to Faye and I, he says, look, he says, I have to go back into work this afternoon because we're going to, we're going to video uh, a, a Sunday night worship session that's going to go on live later on. And, uh, but I'll be back after about three hours of this and, and uh, we can keep talking. He's so full of faith and so he was so full of joy. It was just a real blessing to my heart. But I was still 
the circumstances hadn't changed. The situation hadn't changed. And so he gets to work and he calls back, he, he texts back to his girlfriend and he says, look, we're going to go ahead and live stream this thing this afternoon. Here's the link, put it on the TV. We've got a big, big, giant screen TV in that room. And so I'm on the phone in another room and Faye and my son's uh, girlfriend put the link on and they've got it hooked up and the worship starts and I'm on this phone and call and, and, and trying to, to make some arrangements for some things and, and, and do some other things and, and got on this phone call and I hear in the other room the most beautiful worship music. And I quickly hung up on the call and I walked into the room and I said, said to my wife and to my son's girlfriend, I said, that's a beautiful anointing there. Beautiful anointing. And I walked around the sofa and I sat down. And when I sat down on that sofa, the glory of God came into the room. And he washed over me and he washed over me and he washed over me and he filled me and he loved me and he took me into his arms and he graciously breathed new breath of life back into my spirit. And, and inside, inside of 10 seconds, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think that's about right. Inside of 10 seconds, every single chain, every single lock and key, every single lie, every single depression, every single doubt, every single little tiny molecule of unbelief, every single everything that had tried to attach itself to my mind, it just dropped to the floor. And I, and I, and I just began worshiping him and agreeing with him. And, and, uh, and, and the song leader for that, uh, that, that worship session had changed all of, his, all of his set right before they started. And every single song, that it was for me. And my son... My son, after it was over, I texted my son because he was still working. I texted him and I said, don't you dare let that team get out of there. Tell them what God's done for me. He knew. Tell them my story. And if you don't, I'll, if you will hold them there, I'll come and I'll tell my story. Because the glory of God just rolled into my heart. And he wave after wave after wave after wave after wave of gold came in. And the three days of polishing brass went out the door. And the Holy Spirit went wherever it had been stolen, got it and brought it back to me and put it in place, the gold shields, the treasury of the kingdom, the righteousness, the peace, and the joy of the Holy Ghost filled me and filled me and filled me and filled me, and I was reduced to a puddle of tears on a sofa. Repenting. Father, please forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. 
I don't even know how that got in. I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I got robbed in this. I don't know how this king from Egypt came and took away everything in a moment's time. It really wasn't that, but it seemed like that. You follow me? I knew it wasn't that, but it seemed like it, and I was living it. And if you're having a nightmare, who cares if it's a nightmare? It still hurts, doesn't it? And when the glory of God rolled in, and I sat there, and I worshiped, and I worshiped, I repented, and I worshiped, I repented, and I worshiped, repented, and the Holy Ghost started doing this surgery on the inside of me, and taking stuff out and putting stuff in and moving stuff around and getting things lined up and giving me a spiritual angioplasty and putting everything in and getting it right and getting it flowing. And, and when he was doing this, I just went out under the power of the Holy Ghost. And I was gone for a while. I don't know how long, a while, huh? And when I came back, the joy of the Lord was the rule of thumb. And the peace of God that passed understanding, the circumstances had not changed. The circumstances still haven't changed. And that was on July 12th. And Faye and I slept that night like we've never slept in a long, long time. And we got up the next morning and we got in my truck and we started driving to Nebraska. We were headed from Euless, Texas to North Platte, Nebraska. That's a drive. That's out west. And I want to tell you that the joy of the Lord was so strong in our truck. We just, we just drove along in a cloud of glory the whole day long. And we would look at each other and we would laugh and we would look at each other and we would encourage one another and speak into one another and, and prophesy of what God was going to do. And, and we were lifted up into a dimension that God wants us to live in daily. Everybody gets pounded from time to time in life. Everybody gets wounded. Everybody gets their, their resources messed with one way or another. Everybody gets touched. But I'm here to tell you that God did not leave it up to a Rehoboam kind of an existence to where you had to defend what you inherited. He gave it and he signed, sealed, and delivered it, baby. And he, saw, he brought it into our hearts. He brought it into our lives. And, and I'm telling you, he's going to ensure... Against every loss. He's going to ensure against every, every storm. He's going to ensure again, and he doesn't raise his rates. They're already paid for eternity. Hallelujah. Because I've had to deal with insurance companies, and I'm telling you, this is eternal. Insurance. And the rates don't go up. It's paid in full. By the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Oh, my Lord. And do you know, all day long Monday, we drove to North Platte, got there later that evening, stopped off, had dinner with friends in Grand Island, and the glory of the Lord was there with us, and the joy of the Lord was there with us, and the peace of God that passes understanding was filling our hearts, and it got on everybody that we touched, and everybody that we were around, and everybody that we sat with, and we were blessing waiters and waitresses and blessing everybody, and, and, and the glory of the Lord was coming through our words to people. Just simple words. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> Bang! <laughs> Holy Ghost. Never left us. Never left us. And do you know, Tuesday morning we got up, same thing. Wednesday morning we get up, same thing. Thursday morning we get up, same thing. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, did we have wonderful services. We had wonderful services. And God came and God refreshed us and God renewed us and God lifted our eyes up. And I'm here to tell you it's not just for Bill and Faye. It's for everybody. And if your dog is a really, really beloved one in your house, you and your dog get blessed. <laughs> and if you ride horses, it's your horse too. And it bleeds like osmosis out on other people. And they don't even know. And then something happens and they look at you kind of strange. <laughs> like something's up, you know. God is doing this. And, and we have this privilege. And, and the Holy Spirit has taken up a, a level of residence in us. And, and, and he took me back to... John 15. And he began talking to me about that if you want to bring glory to the Father, you just need to bear fruit. And then from there, you get to bear more fruit. And, and from there, you get to bear much fruit. And then from there, you get to bear fruit that remains. Do you know what fruit that remains is? That's seed-bearing fruit. That means that you enjoy that fruit in that moment, but now you've got seed to plant and it's going to produce a tree that's going to produce ever how many generations of harvest and how many trees are in one seed. And I've never seen a fruit tree with just one fruit hanging on it. It's got a bunch of fruit hanging on it. And there's a bunch of seeds in it. And, and, and so we have, we're advancing the kingdom of heaven by bearing fruit. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Do you know what the difference is? Do you know what the difference between the vine and the branches are? The vine is content to remain in the background and fuel and grow and develop and push out of its innermost being into the branches so that they can dangle the fruit out there and be seen. It all comes from the vine, but it manifests on the branches. And when we bear fruit, it's just Holy Ghost showing off what's on the inside of the vine, our wonderful, wonderful Jesus. This is what's ever 
producing, ever growing, ever giving, ever flowing, ever pouring out. So whatever happens, whether it's the talent that you've got, and you guys have wonderful talent up here. You guys are good. But I know it's the vine pushing out through you who he is, what he's got, and he showcases. He likes showcasing it through his children. He's a wise father. He's wise father. In fact, Jesus, it's prophesied of Jesus that he's the everlasting father over there in Isaiah. Wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father. And it's talking about Jesus. Why? Because in and behind the vine is the roots and he's pushing all the way through the vine who's pushing the same thing right on into the branches and so that it comes hanging out as fruit out of our hearts and out of our lives. And all we have to do is say, yes. Amen. That's the key. Yes. Amen. You want to practice? Okay. Ready? Ready? One, two, three. Yes. One, two, three. Amen. You're really good. You're going to go bear a lot of fruit. All you got to do is just keep doing that. That's all the responsibility that we've got. I said to the guys today at 1 o'clock at the offices, I said, I said, I just quoted Catherine Kuhlman when she said, God's not looking for golden vessels and God's not looking for silver vessels. He's only looking for yielded vessels. That's all he's looking for. Everybody that says yes and amen. Why? Because that puts me in alignment with him. We sang it. Your first place. You are my preeminence. That's a lovely song. I, I've, never, I've never heard it before, but, but it's in my heart. Put me, place me wherever you want to place me. So here's the end of the story thus far. Holy Spirit instructed us and said to us, I want you to sell your house. I want you to sell your assets here. I want you to sell everything. Just clear it. Just clear the books. Sell it all. And I'm going to take you and I'm going to transplant you. And my wife and I just have this posture. Yes, sir. Amen, sir. We don't care where you plant us. We don't care where you place us. We don't care where you put us. We just care that you fill us with your glory. That's what I want more than anything else. You can have the houses. You can have the lands. You can have possessions. You can have it all. I don't care. And here I am staring very quickly, and some of you will laugh because you'll think that I'm very young, I'm sure. And I am. But I'm staring 67 years in the face. Past retirement age. And I'm so thrilled 
at what Holy Spirit is doing. And the very idea of being homeless, I love it. <laughs> My wife loves it too because in our house she has what, how many bathrooms to clean? Eight? Eight bathrooms. Who? <laughs> oh. Wow. I'm telling you, folks, I, I don't think I've ever been so free in all of my life. And I don't think I've ever been so full of joy. It's a, it's a, it's a different joy. It's a deep-seated joy that, that, that's down deep in the roots of my heart and the very core of my being. It's just joy. It's in there. It's just this big smile that's there in my heart. And, and I'm thinking, oh, God, this is so good. I, I like this. I like it. I like it. I don't care what that is. And, and, and you can do with whatever you want to do with it. That's a lot of love. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> you guys, you guys are ridiculous. Ay, ay, ay. Come here, Faye. Come here. This woman has been with me. We've been married for 42 years. And uh, we're coming up on 43. That comes after 42. That's pretty simple. But I so appreciate this woman when the Bible says that when a man finds a wife, he's found a good thing. A good thing. Now, that's a wife in the context of the kingdom. And, and she is a wife in the context of the kingdom. And I appreciate her because she's... You know, there's, there's some women that would be pulling their hair out over this kind, of st uh, this kind of thing. But she's so happy. We were driving up to Nebraska, and she had been panicking about packing up our house because it's a big house. And I've got a big library, and I've got, oh, this is just a mountain of stuff to pack up. I mean a mountain of stuff. And she had been, her panic was packing up the house, not selling it, just packing it up, <laughs> right? And so, here, you tell me. So we, we were <laughs> driving to Nebraska, yeah. and I thought, okay, what room am I going to start with? And instead of panicking, there was a download of joy, and I just started laughing, and I, I looked at him, and I said, oh, wow. I said, I was just thinking of what room am I going to start with? And I said, all this joy has come in. <laughs> well, now I, ha I told him I have to be home to do it. <laughs> Because I haven't been home one one and a half days, and then three days, and then I'm here. Can can I share something else? Oh yes, of course, <laughs> by all means. I had to sh I shared this with him when we were going up to Nebraska too. About five years ago, I 
every Christmas would watch It's a Wonderful Life. But five years ago, when it came to that part where all of his friends came and was gathering and, you know, bringing the money to help him and stuff, I got really depressed because I thought, I don't have friends like that. And five years, I have not watched that movie because it brought such depression to me. Well, then, with people knowing our situation, I mean, they have just begun to download such a blessing on us. And the Lord spoke and said, you believed a lie. You have more friends than you realize. You have people watching your life than you realize. You believed a lie. So this coming Christmas, I'm going to watch. It's a wonderful life again. <laughs> hey, hey. Be careful. And so I think I'd like to do some ministry right now because uh, I feel drunk. <laughs> I mean, I really feel, you know, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been a good thing. So strike up a song. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.